Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the world. Um, thank you for joining us uh, here today on the Holistic Leadership Podcast. Um, I'm with my my co-host, Jeffrey Roach, and we're just I'm amazingly grateful to have such an amazing guest on our on our podcast today, on Dr. Bonnie Clipper. Um, a little bit of, a bit about Dr. Clipper. Um, she's a nurse futurist, an expert in virtual nursing, nationally recognized thought leader in building cultures of innovation, and global speaker. Uh, she brings her decades of executive leadership, operations, and knowledge of technology together to transform the national healthcare ecosystem. She was the first VP of innovation at the ANA, where she built the innovation framework to bring over four million nurses into the innovation space. As CEO and founder of Innovation Advantage, Dr. Clipper's leading change and was among the first to revolutionize how virtual nursing care is practiced and delivered in hospitals. And as a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Executive Nurse Fellow, she has researched and published extensively on innovation in nursing, including the Innovation Handbook, a Nurse nurse Leader's Guide for Transforming Nursing, the Nurse's Guide to Innovation, and the Innovation Roadmap, a guide for nurse leaders. Um, Bonnie is a sought-after connector, collaborator, and influencer in healthcare, and is a highly effective change agent and unifier. Uh, In short, Dr. Clipper has transformed the way hospital-based nursing care will be delivered, and her approach has raised the bar across the country, which I know Jeffrey will agree is absolutely needed. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Clipper, for being here. Um, It's amazing to have you. It is really cool to be here, Travis, and please call me Bonnie. All right, will do. <laughs> so um, I want to dive right in here. Innovation. I'm in the tech space. I'm in the innovation space. I love reading your bio, reading your work. Is it gets? I'm getting goosebumps right now. For I just like when you, when people bring tech tech and innovation into any space, and, and we're we're in the world of AI. We're in the world of transformation. We're in the we're in the world of digital transformation. Um, People that are doing the work that you do inspire me to no end. So the first question is, why is innovation so important in the profession of nursing and what sparked your fire to drive this change? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Two really good questions. I I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and see that healthcare is broken. Not only is healthcare broken, the nursing profession is broken. And we're such a strong profession based on legacy and tradition that what got us to this point is not going to be what leads us through this. So we have no choice but to innovate our way out of this. So I I think that means right now we're in the cycle of disruption and we're really going to have to lean hot and heavy into transformation to find our way through this. And it's going to look very different. Um, it's not uncommon for me to find leaders that want to go back to the good old days of pre-pandemic. Nothing will look that way again. So the future is going to look entirely different. We have to figure that out. As far as how I got here, um, I'm an incredibly fortunate person. I had the good fortune to be a Robert Wood Johnson uh, Executive Nurse Fellow. And as a result of my experience with that, We really had to pick something that was going to be a topic that we were going to commit to for the rest of our profession in terms of disseminating, publishing, speaking. And at the time, this was 2014, and at the time, there really wasn't anything going on in nursing world around innovation, yet the word was popping up all over the place. So myself and four other colleagues, there were five of us, and we spent a year and a half researching innovation and how it intersected, overlapped benefited nursing, we couldn't find much. So we actually wrote a seminal white paper. It's the Innovation Roadmap, a guide for nurse leaders. That can be found today if you search it or Google it. It's on the ANA's innovation website. 
but it really is still sought after and used today because it provides you with a framework of how innovation can be applied in the nursing profession to help us transform. So that's kind of how I got here. And that's where I hope that we can lead ourselves through and take a direction. So Bonnie, obviously, uh, when you start uh, a discussion off saying healthcare is broken, uh, you know, it's interesting, right? I was just having this dialogue earlier with some colleagues saying that, you know, healthcare by in and by and of itself, when it was first designed, was really designed for the rich and famous. That's just the truth. The white rich and famous. Um, and, you know, we sit in 2023 and we're sitting probably at the most difficult time from a staffing perspective uh, in all facets, not just nursing, but imaging, lab, medical assistant, everything. Um, but what I'm just curious, because obviously you, you do this work and what gives you some aspect of hope? Because every day we're hearing more and more people say, I'm done. I'm getting out of it and I'm going to do something different. What gives you some sense of hope? So I'm going to loop back to how you started. If healthcare was started for the wealthy, the rich and famous, they're not going anywhere. In fact, there's more of them now. So we know healthcare will exist because they're going to still need that. And so will the rest of us. So I think the real challenge is how do we disrupt what we have? It, it literally cannot look the same. Whether we're talking about the profession of nursing, of medicine, of therapy, whatever it is, it can't look the same. It can't be delivered the same. It can't be paid for, reimbursed, compensated the same. So I think we have to figure all those components out. What gives me hope is kind of an odd little thing. And that is in the nursing profession, we actually have seen growth over young people, young millennials, Zers getting into nursing. They get super frustrated and ticked off and they vote with their feet. While that sounds bad, that's what started to turn heads and get people to pay attention to what's broken because they said, huh, it's really expensive that we have all these nurses leaving. What's going on? So I think kudos to them for having the guts to get frustrated enough to vote with their feet and walk away. Many of us, I'm an Xer, in my generation, we never would have thought of that. We just sucked it up and said, well, eventually something's got to get better. Eventually the board's got to see this. Eventually we're going to get a new CNO or a new director. Young people, they have the patience of a gnat. So when they vote with their feet, it impacts the bottom line. The love language of healthcare is finance. So people are now paying attention. You know, it, it's interesting you say that. And, um, uh, you know, obviously, one of the things that I'm also encouraged by, which is actually something, Bonnie, you first really helped me understand, is the innovation that's coming out of countries like Israel. And so at some point, I want to I want to also have you talk a little bit about that, too, because um, we all know that we also need more innovation coming from other places to be introduced here. And we have to hope we don't, you know, stymie that innovation because it's needed. But, you know, as you know, I'm the son of a nurse and, and uh, I've always said it bothers me in my DNA when I hear so many nurses say they're not leaders because I feel that every nurse, I don't care what your role is in nursing, you're a leader. Uh, because when I look at what Absolutely. a nurse does and what I look at what they do every day, they lead more than a doctor and they lead more than a CEO leads. Uh, and so I'm, I'm always encouraged when I hear from you, Bonnie, because 
you tell the truth and, and you speak it like no other. And so I appreciate that. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking the truth is that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a rare commodity nowadays and it's refreshing. Um, you talked, you talked about kind of generational, uh, people, the different generations coming into the workforce and, and what people want and need. Um, you're a futurist. You're looking forward. You're looking at what this industry is going to look like in two, five, 10 years. In your eyes, what does the future of nursing and healthcare look like? And, and, it, it can be in two years and five years and two, I don't know the metric to, by which to, to, to ask, but the future, what is the future? What does your future of nursing look like? Yeah, Travis, it's a really great question. In my opinion, the future of nursing is going to be nurses will have the superpower of technology, mm-hmm. right? Nurses aren't going to be replaced by AI or by robots, not at least for a very, very, very long time, right? So when I look out, Um, you know, barring George Jetson showing up on my doorstep, (laughs) we really are going to continue to be the humans that touch other humans. Someone has to apply dressing. Someone has to apply medication. Someone has to give patients and administer meds. Somebody has to put in an IV or a catheter. We're going to be those hands. So there's still going to be human to human contact there. What I think is going to be fascinating in the space that I like to lean into very, very hard is that we're going to be super powered by things like artificial intelligence. It's going to supplement the work that we do. So it isn't going to replace us, but it's going to cause us to redefine the roles that nurses play. So I think that's where we have a lot of opportunity is as nurses, there are four times as many of us as there are physicians, eight times more nurses than pharmacists. We are closer and spend more time with patients and their families than any other discipline, yet we're not involved in the design and development of solutions. So that's a huge gap and a huge opportunity, but using the superpower, which is going to be the human, the nurse, plus technology that's how we're going to work our way through this. And that's scary to people of some generations who are unsure or untrustworthy of the technology. And young people, many of them love the technology and don't want to touch the patients. So we're <laughs> going to have to find ways to work our way through this and balance it. I see that as an incredible bright spot. You know, Bonnie, I'm curious to get your thoughts here too, because, and I know I know that this wasn't necessarily in in that discussion, but but to me, it's an important link. Um, In academia, which you've also been an expert in, many would describe the academic teaching of nursing to also need innovation. And many would describe the culture of academic, uh, the academic world needing a lot of innovation. And, you know, ChatGPT is a great example. I mean, what I've seen in the academic circles, because I'm so worried about ChatGPT, is just crazy to me. Uh, it's just crazy to me. I mean, come on now, academia. They had the same reaction when we introduced iPads and other things like, like Google. Wake, yeah, like Google. I mean, you do a lot of work in academia, too. You've advised, you've helped redesign curriculum. When you think about this artificial intelligence and, and the important role with nursing, you know, that nurses play, what about in academia? What's required to make sure we change that, too? Okay, so careful to paint me with that brush of academia. So yes, it is true. I'm adjunct faculty at several different um, DNP programs. Um, you know, I think um, I think I'm probably going to tick some people off with this, but academia is broken too, right? How we Come teach on. and our pipeline of how we grow sort of um, baby nurses, it's broken, and 
it doesn't work. We unfortunately have to teach to the test and the test is the NCLEX. We have to produce nurses that actually can take and pass boards. But what I think we miss out on is a tremendous opportunity, particularly nowadays, as we're thinking about redefining the roles of nursing, we have to really help them understand data, data analysis, how to become tech literate, how to understand AI, how the algorithms are derived and how AI works, we're not going to ask them to be coders and developers, but they need to understand that and to be aware of the blind spots of bias. So I think we do have to teach people entirely different. The other thing we have to do is deploy technology in our teaching process, right? Pedagogy has to change entirely as well. So why don't we provide nurses or physicians or dentists or therapists when they're coming into programs, why don't we provide them with their own Mm. Oculus and it's loaded with their textbooks. And along with that is not only didactic content, but muscle memory problems. So they're going through these assets and they literally are applying the content that they've learned with the real life scenarios and going through them to lay hands on and figure things out, provide assessments, evaluations, teaching patients, interacting through conversation. That's where we should go. And what frustrates me is the technology exists today. It's existed years ago. So why have we not changed yet? I love that. And academically, like I, I can, like, so my background, my is in education and in tech and like the incorporation of the new of the newest tech and, and, and the things that can help students and and career fields flourish and grow and advance is just not being taught at the at the university level and it's just something that i've i'm a big proponent of is like when you have tech degrees we have when you have a business degree you specify okay business accounting business management business when you have tech degrees why not tech nursing tech edu- health and like health and education different things like that so i think i'm 100% with you on that that we need to be able to incorporate these things or when people get to walk into the workforce they're going to be completely lost at, at what's going on they're going to have to keep learning and which is a good thing they'll have to keep learning about the tech but we can set them up for better success if we do that at the ag- academic level i believe and the irony is young people know the tech yeah so they're actually walking into universities or community college or trade programs knowing the tech and they look at us and say, why aren't you using the technology that's out there today, right? Why aren't we having our sessions in Discord? Why aren't we someplace else? Why are we doing it the same old way in Zoom meetings or on Canvas? So I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. We have to be willing, though, to adopt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have, you have so many things going on, publishing, speaking, writing, teaching, we talk a lot on this podcast about holistically healthy leadership and how we as leaders can take care of ourselves and to make sure that we don't burn ourselves out. What does that look like for you? With everything you have going on, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? What are some, some, some tips and tricks for us out here that seem to have way too much going on and can't take care of ourselves enough? <laughs> what can you teach us? Jeepers, I am probably not a good role model for that. I work a lot because I like it and I'm able, you know, I'm sort of to the point in my career that I, work on what gets me the most excited and where I believe that my time is going to be the best spent making an impact. It has taken me many, many years to be comfortable telling people no, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not the right person. No, this isn't the best use of my time. So that is a very difficult skill that I had to learn. At the same time, I have been saying no to things. I also say yes to a lot of things. And in fact, even in my Calendly link, I make room for a certain number of um, calendar connections 
each month with people I don't know. I like to connect with young people that have questions. I give them a 15 minute slot. And some days I look at that thinking, I'm just so busy. On the other hand, those are really exciting, refreshing conversations. And I feel like we have to be able to give back to the young people that are rising through the ranks and help to provide them with some thoughts, ideas, inspiration, whatever it might be. So I love doing that piece. In the middle of all that is really sort of the work and the mentoring. I really think it's important that as we work through our careers, through projects or whatnot, we try to raise young people along with us, younger leaders. At some point, I want to be on a beach somewhere. So I have to be able to hand this off to people that are going to learn and be willing to come in and, and do the work. Not necessarily how I do it, but somebody someday is going to pick this up. And I think it's really important that we figure out how to make that happen while we're doing what we want to do. Yeah. You know, it's such an important point. And, and you know, I know uh, I can remember the first time I reached out to you and had our first conversation. Um, you know, you, you know, I think it's, it's a living proof because there are so many other people I know that reach out to you, Bonnie, and you do make time. Uh, which I think is really important. And I think it also speaks to your leadership. Uh, you know, I'm sure when you were that CNO, uh, th there was a different type of culture than a lot of other leaders, right? Because to your point, mentorship is really, really a, a thread in who, in who you are. Uh, that's, that's incredibly clear because I've seen it even in conversations I've had with you, even though I'm not, you know, talking to you and asking for mentorship necessarily, I can see you're providing it in your own way. Uh, because you 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 truly care about other people and and you care because you want to see them have an impact and influence, which I think you know in some ways gets to it. But but I know I know you do enjoy traveling other parts of the world, and I'm sure you get some element of of kind of holistic, healthy uh, relaxation in that work. And 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 don't let her fool you, Travis. She even though when she's traveling for work, I'm sure she's getting a little bit of fun in there. Uh, especially when she goes to Europe, because I see I see pictures at times on LinkedIn and other things. She's having some fun. Yeah, I love to post food. Um, that's my cool thing. Um, I'm a total foodie. But, you know, you bring up a really great point. So I do a lot of innovation and digital health kind of work um, in Europe as well. And what I love about that is that they got it right. So there's so much, and, and you know this, Jeffrey, as well, but even when I go to Europe, we might be working on some really cool stuff. There's always time to, to leave the building and go out and find an hour and a half to sit down and have a really nice meal together and talk and then kind of get re-energized and go back into the work. There's always a, an end of the day that's around 5 or 5.30 right? And it, my American brain gets nervous, like, oh my God, shouldn't we stay here till 6.30 or 7 and we're not working enough? Yet that balance really, really makes people very, very productive and very engaged. So when I'm abroad, I like that because it, to me, feels like I have to discipline myself to a very different way of working, yet it's incredibly effective. So I think there's a lot we could learn just by practicing our craft. You know, it's so funny you say that because um, I was literally having this conversation with a colleague recently that, you know, sort of was reminding me that to your earlier point, you know, sometimes Jeffrey, you work too much. Sometimes you work too much. And they said, you know, don't you remember this time when we were working together and, uh, you know, we were, we were at a conference 
and uh, two of my two of my colleagues uh, inspired me to go to a very interesting place. Uh, we were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we went to this place called Something Meow. I don't remember. I don't remember the other part of it, but essentially, it was like <laughs> going into a museum that was making you feel like you were in a different planet. Uh, it was a fascinating. There's one in Denver, Travis. There's something in the water. Yeah, Denver. Meow Wolf. That's What's what it it's called. called? Meow Wolf. Yeah, meow see, wolf. you know because you've been there. Yeah. Uh, very <laughs> interesting experience for all of our listeners. Go try it. But I was sharing this with a friend of mine uh, <laughs> who I was with. We were talking about it because actually another former colleague of mine posted on Facebook that she went with a group of her colleagues. And so I sent it to my friend and uh, my friend Nayla, actually, whose birthday is, is today. So she'll hear this. But happy birthday, Nayla. But uh, I was sharing with her how, you know, we went and she was like, oh, my gosh, because we have videos. And you now Nayla has shared these videos, Bonnie, with other people we've worked with, which I, I always say, please don't. But we, you know, literally had so much fun in this this meow, whatever it's called place that, um, you know, you, it was a reminder that you do have to, even when you're on work trips, you do have to find those moments of humor and fun. Because sometimes Travis and I were talking about this before when we came on, like you travel for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks, you miss your family, but you're with people and it can't just be sterile. Like we're working together. It's gotta be a little bit of fun. So I appreciate that. It also improves your work relationships and your work product. Quite honestly, that's another thing that I think I learned too late in life. Right. I, I when I was a younger, when I was a CNO and started traveling, was traveling with the executive team. I felt like I still had to be in the persona of the CNO and kind of play that role in those conversations. And it took me many years to realize you really don't, right? Because you're you're building relationships with other people and they're human. And it's nice sometimes to just see people for what they are and learn about their families and their kids and have conversations that aren't about staffing and budgets and problems at work. So I think that there is a lot of good that does come out of that when you can build those really authentic relationships with people that you do happen to work with, even if they're not in your own organization. So I'm kicking off starting Sunday, 21 days of travel. I'm trying not to think about it. Um, but as I go into, this is like five or six separate trips plugged together. Every one of them, I'm going to have the chance to hang out with some really amazing people. So I'm, I'm working my way into how do I build those relationships? Cause that's really what I see getting out of that entire travel stint. Yeah. I mean, so I, I focus a lot of my focus is on hybrid, hybrid and remote workforces. And I, my, one of my biggest recommendations besides keeping your camera on is that people have to, when you get together, when you're able, if you don't get together often with, with your team, when you get together, when you're able to make it fun, make it interactive, don't talk about work, just build the team culture. And just like, that's, that's one of the biggest things that you can do when you, when you're isolated at home, in your home offices, in your pajamas all day long, when you actually get, put your jeans on, put some pants on, put some shoes on and go out and meet your teams, like have, have a good time. Uh, I've, I've taken, like, I took my team uh, paintballing a couple weeks ago and uh, it was, <laughs> It was an interesting experience, but we still we had a we had a blast. It was great, and as the the former marine I am, it's uh I had a blast just lighting people up. It was great. It was so much fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, not playing paintball with no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> it, it was a good time. It was a good. I use my left hand most of the time, so we're okay. 
Um, so kind of, kind of wrapping this up, like what there's the, the nursing career field. Um, I, there, there's all, there's never enough nurses, but what advice would you give to new nurses coming into the, in, into the work field, into the workplace? What advice do you want to give to them? Ooh, boy. Um, that's a really good one. And I think for me, it's a matter of, we want young nurses. We want all of you. We want your personality. We want your different backgrounds. We want the way that you think being different. What we want you to do is to help us learn how to create a profession that is forward facing and different. Don't just be malleable into what currently exists today. That means that we need you to help step up and problem solve, not complain, not go dark, um, but rather get involved and help us fix this and make it better because we know there's challenges and we're really working through transitioning from not only a different generation of nurses to younger generation of nurses. We're also going through this really odd time of handing off and adopting more technology. So I would say, Enter the nursing workforce and bring all of yourself and be willing to hang in there with us as we work through this very clunky transition into what nursing is going to look like in the future. Mm. That's like a mic drop. Um, you know, that the is. only thing I, I could really say to that, Bonnie, is, um, and you know that because we've talked about this, I think the best CEOs in healthcare are nurses. And, uh, and you know, the CEOs I worked for, uh, I've worked for many. Uh, one was a, was a nurse. She was the best, and the rest were okay. Uh, and the reality of it is, is uh, why I say she was the best was she understood process. She understood technology. First CEO and only CEO I've ever worked for that also ensured there was a nurse in the room at every point of discussion on technology. We had somebody. Uh, we had a nurse informaticist leader before we had a CMIO. Uh, and uh, the other piece that was so critical was she understood people. And uh, when I think of all the tragedies our system went through, because we were such a busy trauma center and, and received so much, uh, she truly cared about people. And you were either on the bus or off the bus based on if you cared about people. And um, mm -hmm. I, it's so, what, what saddens me is we still don't have many nurse CEOs um, just like we don't have many nurse board members. Uh, and so I don't want to get on the soapbox because we do need to see more. Um, but I share that because of my hope and desire based on what you also shared. And I know you share this is we need to get more nurses to realize that they can be the CEO and that they need to look at yes. every situation that they're in and be ready and prepared because they are ready to be the CEO. And I think you know what, Jeffrey, you're so spot on with that. And actually, you're making me think about something. I When I get nurses, CNOs that connect with me because they want a bigger CNO job or they want to be a system CNE, I say, you're thinking too small. You need to think about being a CEO, right? And you're exactly right. So we've doubled over the last couple of years the number of, C or the number of nurses that are CEOs. That's not enough. We, there's no one that understands more than a nurse, even if your career at the bedside was a year or two, think about how many people's hands you held while they were dying or the crummy calls that you got to make to a loved one to come in because your husband is not doing well. 
that never leaves you. So when you're talking about layoffs or budgets or cutting programs, adding programs, you still can dig deep. And that's still in all of us that have had that opportunity and that privilege to provide care to patients and their families. It's a completely different thing, having tough conversations, having been through those yeah. scenarios. No, I'm, I'm right with you. And, you know, I'll tell you, Kathy was my CEO and Kathy knows because she still knows I always talk about her. And uh, she, she was an introvert, so she doesn't like it, but I always will because uh, the impact that I saw, uh, to your point, was um, she was the person that taught me, you don't forget your humble beginnings. And I can remember her saying to me, uh, she would wear her scrubs. Uh, we were a union environment and she would go in and help the nurses. And at times the union would say, well, you can't, you can't, you're not in the union anymore. And she'd say, do you think my patients care whether I'm in the union or not? They just care that I'm here to help the fellow nurses. And the union never, the union never actually complained because they knew she was authentically there to help them. Um, and so, you know, I look at, you know, I look at, uh, I was just reading today, Kaiser may have a strike, right? And, uh, you know, I look at something like that and say, come on, people, pay attention. Um, we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to see these types of things. But hey, if it's what leads to get what they need, then, then we will. But People just need to pay attention because the nurses, the nurses, uh, to your earlier point, I'm also encouraged that they're they're showing up and they're showing us what they want because we need we need them to. And that's a balance, right? So I think we again we're all on the same team here, and that's providing care to patients. So we have to figure out how to do it different. Yeah, absolutely. So. Bonnie, we could probably go on for another hour and a half. This is this has been such a cool conversation. I love the tech nursing bridge, and it's it's amazing. So uh, before we take off, before we sign off, I want you to just tell people where they can find you, um, how they can get a hold of you, and uh, and and we'll finish with that. Absolutely. So we have a, a website, innovationadvantage.com. You can also find me. I'm the top nurse uh, influencer in LinkedIn. So you can find me there. You can also find Innovation Advantage in LinkedIn. And we provide a ton of free resources for people that are looking to understand technology, how to pull the pieces together, how to think about virtual nursing, leadership, all those kinds of tools. And Travis, don't let her go Amazing. off. She has, she has books too. I mean, she's an author, so. What, what about, tell us about, tell us about your books. Where can they find the books? What are the titles? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jeffrey. The last <laughs> um, book that I wrote is really pretty cool. Uh, in fact, we're going to be doing a book signing at Health in a couple of weeks, but it is literally the Innovation Handbook, a Nurse Leader's Guide to Transforming Nursing. I will tell you that it pisses people off equally because yeah. it talks about hospital administrators, leadership, academia, care delivery, payers. It's all broken. So, um, yeah, in the nicest ways that I could publish, I tried to call it out along with some solutions. So I hope people find it. You can find it on uh, Sigma Publishing or at Amazon. And then the next, the title of your next book has to be It's All Broken. That's got to be the, that's got to be the next one. It's all broken. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie, for your time and being on here and uh, the, just some amazing information. Um, just it's, it's an absolute honor to have you on here. Um, for those folks listening, check, check out Bonnie, check her out on LinkedIn, check out wherever she is. Thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Holistic Leadership Podcast. Mm -hmm.